If you have your Bibles this morning, open up with me to the Gospel of Luke. I must be honest, I've never preached after the Carol of the Bells, but I can get used to that. So um, my name's Andrew, and it's my joy, it's my privilege to serve here as our next generation pastor. What that means is I get the joy and the honor to coach and to coordinate our next generation team and to communicate in all avenues. Um, I'm Andrew. My beautiful wife is Kimberly. This is us. There's this picture right here, right here. Take a peek. That is, we are somewhat big Disney people, not quite big Disney people, but Kimberly really loves Disney. And we had this joy and this honor to go on a trip with my family over Thanksgiving. And so this is us. This is Kimberly, my beautiful bride. And this is Tate. He's three. He turned three in September. And we are are in the process still of moving here from Anderson, South Carolina. So not too far away, um, and that's us. So come with me to Luke 2 this morning. We're going to be in that famed passage that really we know from Charles Schultz as well with Linus. He's on stage. Luke 2 is where we are this morning. And you remember Luke 2 verse 8. It starts out like this. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were what? They were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in a manger, in swaddling clothes, and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Pray with me. Father, we come before you this morning. It is a joy. It's an honor to open up your word with brothers and sisters in Christ, with friends, with those who I don't know as well, that I'm just getting the chance to meet. And so, Lord, we come to your day, this day. This is the Lord's day. We come this day to your word together, humbly, before you. And Lord, I come here just asking you for my own heart, for my own soul, root your word within my heart and allow me to be taught today, allow us to be taught today from your word what you have for us, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. So we come to Luke 2, 8 through 20. That was not 8 through 20, was it? It was only 8 through 14. And we come, we know this passage really well, more than likely. And we come to it, and the reality is, is what is going on here? There's this phrase written in my office that I've had written up there for the past month. GN of GJ, which is good news of great joy. I'm one of these people who I write in my Bible, I write in my books too. Um, 
if, if you don't do that and that's a bad thing for you, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm one of those people. Um, and so I have it underlined. I have it scored through. I have it put a full rectangle around it. If you have one and you don't mind writing in your Bible, I encourage you. Good news of great joy. Luke there uses this phrase. He takes this noun, good news, the gospel. And what he does is he actually, in the Greek, he turns it into a verb. I bring you good news. In the gospels, all four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, it's used 11 times. In Luke, it's used 10 of those times. What Luke does for you and me here in Luke 2, with the pronunciation of the angel to the lowly shepherds, is this. He, he blasts for us the reality of what he wants us to hear. From the very beginning, he wants you to hear, he wants me to hear, this is the good news. And then he goes on, he tells us that it is of great joy. And what we're going to see is that it's not just some earthly joy. It's not some just presently joy. It is what we call an eschatological joy. Big word for what is to come in the end. And it is to come in the end. So quiz time. Why are Mary and Joseph in Bethlehem? Because of the census. I heard somebody say it. Next question. Who put out the census? Caesar Augustus really made that happen, right? Now, let's get into the real weeds. I want my history people out here. Who was Caesar Augustus' adopted father? The answer is Julius Caesar. If we come to Luke 2, we look at verse 1, we see Caesar Augustus right there. See, Julius Caesar was truly Caesar Augustus' maternal great uncle, but Julius Caesar left him everything. And so what we see here is 31 BC, Battle of Actium happens. Mark Antony um, commits suicide afterwards. Caesar Augustus ascends to the throne and becomes really the first Roman emperor, and it's all his. There's this dude named Paulus Fabius Maximus. If there's anybody out there looking for son's names, <laughs> I, encourage you, I encourage you to be one of those people that's really cool and do Paulus Fabius Maximus Smith, and, and let me know how that goes, you know. Kimberly teaches eighth grade math, and, you know, that, that's a name on a roster right there. So um, he was the governor of really what's modern-day Turkey, of what was Asia at the time. And he said this about Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus had already proclaimed about Julius Caesar that he was a god, that he was divine. And so Paulus Fabius Maximus actually kind of takes it a step further. This is what he says about Caesar Augustus. He says that he was created as the most perfect God for our lives. And he was sent as a savior to put an end to war and establish all things. 
So if you're in the Roman Empire at the time, that's what you hear about the emperor. This is Caesar Augustus. And then we come to Luke 2, and the reality hits home for these lowly shepherds who live in this socio-political religious milieu that is just engulfing their lives. And they get told, and you get told, and I get told, no, no, no. The Savior, the Christ, the Lord, is not Caesar Augustus. It is this infinite infant wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger in Bethlehem. Go and see. And so with this proclamation, this gospel proclamation that the angels give to the shepherds, what we hear today, you know what it demands? It demands a response. It demands a response. And the question is, are we going to faithfully respond? Are we going to faithfully respond? No matter what. We were at Disney, as I just said. I'm one of these super weird people. My favorite ride at Disney World is Peter Pan's flight. Um, I was asked multiple times through the week by my, my siblings and their wives and my parents, what's your favorite ride that you've done so far? And they, there's all these really cool rides at Disney World, right? And every time it's always Peter Pan's flight. I love Peter Pan. Great story, J.M. Barry, 1906. If you haven't read it, read it. Tate knows that. Tate knows that Peter Pan is my favorite ride and my favorite movie and my favorite Disney character. And so we told Tate, we went to Magic Kingdom on Friday, day after Thanksgiving, and he knew we're getting up early, we're getting there, and we're going straight for Peter Pan's flight so that we can ride it together. Well, we get up. We're not as early as we want to be. We get there. And if you know anything about Disney, for some reason, everybody wants to ride Peter Pan's flight. And it's not that great of a line. And so what seems like should take you 30 minutes ends up taking like 90 to 120 is what you see on the app. And so we see that on the app, and the first thing we say is, we're not riding that. And then we have to tell Tate. And we, we tell Tate, Tate, we're going to ride it at some time. Today. Probably tonight. We just need you to obey, and let's have a great day, but obey. We're going to ride it tonight. So throughout the day, Tate knows that. Tate's a pretty decent little three-year-old. It's Disney, so it's, it's only the second day, so he's still pretty decent. Um, and he's telling my brothers and his cousins, my parents, some friends of ours, man, we're going to get to ride Peter Pan's flight tonight after the fireworks. And what happens? 
fireworks happen. I get really tired. I'm like, nah, let's not ride it. And then Kimberly's like, nah, we got to ride it. And we end up riding it. And I don't really have a picture of that because it's really late. Um, but I do have a picture of Tate and us in line at another Peter Pan's flight at a time. And you just see this overwhelming joy upon his little face. Mine too, but he's just a lot cuter. So what does it mean to faithfully respond on a daily basis for you and me? Somebody who's followed Jesus 10 years, somebody who's followed Jesus faithfully for a year, somebody who's been in it on the grind as a Christian faithfully here for 50, 60 years. What does it mean? Number one, model a life of obedience. Come back with me to Luke 2 and read with me verses 16 through 19. When the angels went away from them, the shepherds looked at one another and said, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Right? And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known this saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary, but Mary, treasured up all these things in her heart, pondering them. Notice this modeling a life of obedience. Man, Angels pop up, scary. Every time you see angels in the Bible, we always get a fear not. Do not be afraid. Scary, I'll be real. If I'm out in the middle of a pitch black field at night and angels pop up, I'm going to be afraid. And if you're not afraid, let's have a conversation after. They get told this great news, right? It's the good news of great joy. It'd be really easy in the middle of the night, taking care of your sheep out in a field. Maybe they're in a cave. It's where a lot of shepherds in the ancient Near East spent their time at night. Or in a sheep hold. It'd be really easy to say this. Man, let's just wait till the morning. And then you know what happens when the morning comes? Let's just wait till tomorrow. And what do you do? You keep putting it off and keep putting it off and keep putting it off. Notice what the shepherds did in the middle of the night in this same region of Bethlehem. I can't tell you if they're a thousand feet away from that manger or if they're three miles away from that manger. But they're not at the manger at the very present moment. Notice what they do right there in verse 16. They say, let's go. Modeling a life of obedience means that we are doing this immediately. When we're called, we have this immediate response. Not necessarily to go, not necessarily not to faithfully prepare and plan, but we are individuals who are going to immediately say, yes, Lord. 
I know you're calling to me in this, in this very present moment. I know that you're calling me to faithfully respond to the gospel. I know what that means in my daily life as a stay-at-home mom, as a teacher, as a dentist, as a builder, as somebody who's retired. I'm going to faithfully respond immediately and say yes. Instead of just putting it off till tomorrow. And then notice the faith and belief. This might be one of my favorite moments in, in this Christmas narrative and, and probably a lot of the gospel story that we get. Notice these lowly shepherds who we like to think don't have that much theological and knowledge depth because they're unclean individuals so they can't go into the temple. Notice what they say right here. They say, which the Lord has made known to us in verse 16. They use the exact same word given to Christ. He is a Savior, Christ the Lord. We see this concept in this Trinitarian framework amongst lowly shepherds, guys. Where they're saying right there that this angel, not just some Lord, but this angel has known and made known to us about the Savior of the world in a manger, that he is the Lord. And guess what? What we're saying here as well is that the Lord has made known to us this, right? That same word right there, if you're a person who circles, I have this circled. I have it connected together right here. As we see, verse 11 into verse 16. They confess and believe that God has made known this to them about God. A.K.A. that infinite infant that we hear a lot about, Jesus. They don't let this just breeze pass by them. That he is the savior of the world and he is God. Modeling a life of obedience in this calling to faithfully respond to the gospel is one where you and I don't just sit on the sidelines theologically. We take our faith seriously with us and we want to dive deep. Notice that's what these shepherds do. Notice they don't understand the full outworking of what this looks like, but they're willing to say, I want to go in. And my confession and my belief is that this little baby is the Lord. He is God. He is the Savior of the world. And then last, to model a life of obedience, it is one of immediacy. It is one of faith and belief. And it is one of this. Step out. At some point, you actually have to step out and go. And they went with haste. I'll be honest with you. I'm not a morning person. I'm not really a, a 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. kind of guy either. These days, if I'm awake at 11, I'm doing really good. So that phrase for me catches me somewhat off guard. 
and they went with haste. There's an immediacy in their response, but in the stepping out and going and actually going, they go with haste. For you and me here, Pastor Carlos shared with us last week the reality 157,690 people die every single day without knowing Christ. Those people are not just in the middle of nowhere, Kenya. Those people are here in Oconee County, Clark, take your pick, Oglethorpe, wherever you are. Maybe you're visiting with us today and you're from, talked to a lady yesterday, she said she told me she was from Miami. The shepherds hear the gospel proclaimed, they want to see it. For you and me, man, we have a lot of opportunities right here to faithfully respond to the good news of great joy and to make it known. The question is, are we? Or the question then comes to ask our life, are we willing to just sit on the sidelines? Number two, faithfully respond means that we proclaim Jesus. The word proclaim here can also be made known or testify or this is my favorite personally. Advertise. Ask yourself, what are you making known in your daily life at Georgia? At Publix? Here in Bishop's Crossing. Maybe you're like me and you love Kroger. In the upstate of South Carolina, there is no Kroger. Ingalls rules. So it's kind of nice to be back. What are you testifying about? Or what are you advertising? Kim and I moved to Anderson, South Carolina in 2015. We didn't really know that much about Anderson, South Carolina. You know who also wasn't that good in 2014? Clemson. You know who became really good in 2015? Clemson. You know who didn't miss the playoffs from 2015 through 2020? Clemson. You know what lives in a sea of orange? Anybody who lives in Anderson, South Carolina. You know who doesn't love orange? Georgia fans. <laughs> so any chance we got, I wore my G. Whether that's black or red, take your pick. White, I wore it. Last year, what happened? We got us a title. You know what I did? I stayed awake to watch the game. I wasn't asleep at that 12 o'clock time, you know, like I normally am. I got on fanatics.com right away, and I had me a shipment of national championship gear sent to my house so that I could do what? So that I could advertise for the University of Georgia in Anderson, South Carolina, and let everybody know that I love all my Clemson people. I wouldn't be here today without my Clemson people. I'll be honest with you. But I had to let them know, in the end, there's nothing like being a dog. 
My favorite thing here is this. In your Bible, it might say statement, it might say word, it might say saying, as it does mine in the ESV. The shepherds get there, they make it there, they see Mary, Joseph, and the baby. And what do they do right away? They make known this statement that had been told them concerning this child. That he is the Savior, that he is the Christ, that he is the Lord. Man, notice that. They proclaim Jesus right away. And who he is. Guys, like I said, these are, the shepherds are outsiders. They are the dregs of society. In a very real way, they are the pariahs. They're the people who are unclean, who can't set foot in the temple. They're those who are considered lawbreakers for the most part because they're grazing their animals not in their own fields. These are guys that I'm I'm being real with you. They sleep in caves. And yet, notice who they are. They are the very first evangelists, human being evangelists in the Gospel of Luke. If you don't believe that the gospel is for you, then you cannot believe that the gospel is for them. And guess what? It was. My favorite, favorite quote by any living or dead pastor, theologian, or anybody is this, by this guy named J.C. Ryle. He's an Anglican bishop who died in 1900. This is what he said about the good news of great joy. He says, If this were not good news, then there were never tidings that deserve the name. Let me say that again for you. If this were not good news, then there were never tidings that deserve the name. Why? Because that's me. I'm a pariah. I'm an outsider. I'm somebody who does not deserve Jesus, and yet he came for me. And he came for you. And he came for the person across this room that you're laying eyes on right now that you've never met in your life. And he came for that person at the end of the world. And what we see the shepherds do is right when they see Jesus, they proclaim the reality of who he is. Is that us? Are we proclaiming Jesus daily in our lives? If you have your phone, take it out for me. Open up with me a Google Calendar. Maybe you're a person like myself who creates an insane amount of alarms. Or reminders. I do. I have an insane amount of alarms. And they go off at all times. So if we're ever in a meeting together and you just hear these things, it's it's probably... Not somebody calling me. I, I was having a meeting with this, more, uh, this week with a guy at Waffle House. And I just kept dinging, dinging, dinging. And he was like, you can take that. And I'm like, it's just an alarm, man, that I got set that doesn't make a lot of sense to remind myself of some things. Guess what? We're all probably doing at some point in the next 10, 14 days, we're probably getting together with some family in some capacity for Christmas whether it's just our immediate family, maybe it's extended. 
I want you to, to put that reminder in there, to be praying for ways that you can actually proclaim Jesus this Christmas. I'm not even necessarily saying you share the gospel explicitly with them. But proclaim Jesus. How is he actually working in your life right now? What has he been teaching you these last couple months? Proclaim Jesus. I have mine in here. It's set to remind myself. And be praying that if the gospel moment where you can share Jesus does arise, that you faithfully respond. Last, and this is probably the biggest one for me, I'll be honest with you. What does it mean to faithfully respond? Enjoy him. Enjoy him. Shorter and longer versions of the Westminster Catechism begin with one question. What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God. And I think a lot of us forget that last phrase and enjoy him forever. Read with me verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Think about it. Shepherds out in the fields, keeping watch over their flight. flight. Boom! Angel appears. They faithfully respond. They go. It's still the middle of the night. My guess is Mary and Joseph weren't like, hey guys, spend the night with us. My guess is they returned also in the middle of the night. And as I said, I don't know if they're a thousand feet away out in these fields. I don't know if they're miles on end away. But they still return. More than likely in the middle of the night. And notice how they do return. They return just like the angelic host did. Glorifying and praising God. We come to this and those phrases, those words really, that these guys really on their way home, they're enjoying him for what he's done in their lives. That very night. They're enjoying him for the reality of the fact that socially, they're not even an outsider anymore in the kingdom of God. They're an insider. That politically, they don't have to live under an oppressive Roman government. They get to live under the government of the Most High. And that religiously, the Messiah, the one that they had been told who was coming, is already here, and his kingdom has broken forth into the world. No matter what their lot in life, no matter what is still the Jewish people see them as pariahs, no matter if they do still just have to sleep in the doorways of caves, 
they get to enjoy him because of what he's done. If you have your Bible, flip with me to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. The last few verses of chapter 2 give us this moment. They say, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of these same things. Verse 14, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. And deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Speaking specifically of Jesus here. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect. That he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. To make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. That's you and me. The infinite infant Jesus Christ put on flesh for you and me to make propitiation for our sins. Big word means to make right. Really in your brains, just go ahead and think of the cross. So that we can be justified in the sight of God when we confess and believe in him. And so this, this, I bring us here because the incarnation is everything. Not just in making the way for us, but the reality of whatever lot your life is right now. Maybe it's the best season of your life, maybe it's the worst. I don't know. We get to recognize the eschatological joy of Jesus Christ is one that is a gift of the Spirit and is not determined by my lot in life right now. That we get to enjoy him no matter what. It's easy to say, I know that. It's really easy to say. It's not always easy to walk out. And yet I, I come myself to Hebrews 2, 14 through 18. Not during Advent season alone, but on that 2 p.m. day in Tuesday of February where it's blue skies outside and it's still really cold and you're trying to understand how those two things can actually coalesce. And yet you're struggling with life. Maybe this season for you is, is a season of loss that you've never experienced before and it's a Christmas season that you're going to have to experience with somebody that you didn't expect to experience it without. I'm going to tell you, cling to Hebrews 2. That that infinite infant who was born in Bethlehem was born for you. 
is right now, as, as we're told in Ephesians 2, verse 20, is right now at the right-hand throne of the Father of God, interceding on your behalf. So that no matter what your lot in life is right now, you get to enjoy him. So faithfully respond. Model a life of obedience. Proclaim Jesus. And enjoy him. Pray with me. Father, we come before you. Father, it's nice just just to sit before you sometimes and be reminded that you are faithful always and that in this, this season where we get to celebrate your birth, Jesus, that you took on flesh for us we're reminded of the joy that we have. That it's a fruit from your spirit. And that it's, it's joy in every single moment. Amidst the busy days of being a mom, amidst the busy work days, as a teacher, as a doctor, in our calling in life right now, maybe as a, as a college student. That, Lord, the good news of great joy is for us, from you every single day, and you call us to faithfully respond. Lord, we love you, we need you thankful for you. In your name I pray. Amen.